Guess what time it is? Come on, kids. Come on up. All right. Come on up, everybody. Find a spot to sit. All right. Keep coming up. Come on up. All right. Ezra, did you help me? Would you stand right over here for me? Can you stand there for me? All right. You want help? No? All right. Justin, come on up and stand right here, please. All right. Good to see everyone. All right. This morning, I have some things to show you. We're going to start over here. I have a rope. So, Judson, would you hold the end of this rope way over here? All right. Just the end. There you go. All right. So, this rope represents people. Now, if you remember in Genesis, we've been learning about God and his creation, and part of that creation was creating people, right? The first two people, Adam and his wife, Eve. So this rope is going to represent people that God has created. And then we come along the rope, and we get to this first knot here. You know what this knot represents? That knot represents sin. Remember, Adam ate of the fruit that God told him not to eat of. He disobeyed God, and that was the first sin. And so by Adam sinning and disobeying God, he brought sin to all people, okay? Now, there's sin in the world now, but the rope still continues, right? There's more and more people, so I need somebody else. Jeter, would you take that rope right here and keep taking it all the way this way, okay? So there's lots of rope. So you're going to take this, and you're going to stand up, and you're going to walk all the way down there over towards your dad, mom, dad over there, all right? You're going to stretch that rope out. Keep it going. Keep going all the way. You're going to need to pull the end of the rope. Here, grab the end of the rope. Heads up. Heads up. More rope. More rope. Keep going. It's a long rope. Lots of people coming. All right. Good. So you could take that and keep going far that way. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Good. You could keep pulling. You could stand right there and just pull it to you. You get the idea, right? Okay. So this rope represents a long line of people following Adam and Eve, and they were faithful to God. They were people of faith. Now, you can see there's still more knots than rope, aren't there? So there's still more sin. These people have sin, but they're still people of faith. So they confess their sin, they turn from their sin, and they continue following after God and trusting Him in faith. Okay, so that's what this rope is. Got it? Long line of faithful people following Adam and Eve. Now, last week, we learned that Adam and Eve had two sons. Do you remember their names? Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel each brought an offering to God, and Abel's was acceptable by, to God, acceptable by God because it was brought in faith, right? It was an offering in faith, and so it was acceptable to God. And Cain's offering was not acceptable to God because it was not brought in faith. He was not trusting God. And God confronted Cain on his sin, but Cain didn't listen to God, did he? What did he do instead? Do you remember? Cain continued in his sin, and he even killed his brother Abel, didn't he? So God gave him consequences for his sin, and Cain continued to sin. And Cain, we read in the Bible, went away from the presence of God. He left God. And so we have a different rope here. And this rope is a different color. And we're going to tie it on here. Can you tie that on there for me? Right here. Okay. 
So this rope represents Cain. There you go. Cain. And following Cain, uh, who was not living by faith in God, there were still more people that followed Cain. And so I need another helper. Who can help me? Okay. Would you take this rope and would you take it that way? Just pull it that way. Work your way down there. Let's see how long this rope is. Lots of people going this way too. Heads up. All right. You keep walking that way with it, Lila, okay? All right. So we started with Adam and Eve here, the first two people. And now Cain, he's not being faithful. He's disobeying God, and he continues in his sin. Do you see the knots on this rope? Remember, these ropes, these knots represent sin, right? That's good right there, Lila. You can stop. Sin. And look, are there more or less sin knots on this rope? There's more on this rope than this rope, right? This rope, they're spread out. There's sin once in a while, but there's sin and more sin and more sin on this rope. So this rope is the people who are not walking by faith in God. And so we have a godly line of people this way, Adam and Eve, and we're going to hear about their son Seth today who came after them, and those generations coming after who are faithful to God. They sin sometimes, but they confess their sin and turn back to God in faith. And then we have this line of people. That's a sinful, ungodly line of people who are not walking in faith. They're sinning more and more, but they don't turn to God in faith. And so then on the, uh, which line am I going to start with? On the godly line of people. So over here, so Vince, can you just pull that a little tight for me, please? So on this godly line of people, we have some farmers, right? And so they're on that godly line of people. We also have some construction guys, on that, in that godly line of people, who else do we have? We have doctors on that godly, faithful line of people. And we have, oh, look, some kids who are faithful. They're on that faithful, godly line of people. All right? Now, guess who we have on this unfaithful, ungodly line of people? You want to know who we have? We have some farmers. And we have some builders, some construction people, and we have some doctors, and guess what? We even have some kids on this ungodly, unfaithful line of people. So there's people, their people are all kind of similar, aren't they? Doing the same things, but there's a big difference between these two. The people on the ungodly line they're known for all the things they do. Some things good and many things bad, right? And so they're known for what they do. But the people on the godly line, they're known for their faithfulness to God. They're known for their, how uh, much they follow after God and obey God. Even though they sin, sometimes they turn back to God in faith. And so we want to be people in a godly line, right? We want to be people of faith who are trusting God, turning him, to Him when we sin, And when we walk in faithfulness to God, it's good for us, and it brings God great glory. And God is really pleased when we are faithful to him. And so we have two lines, a godly line and an ungodly line. And Pastor Jeremy is going to come tell us more about that. So thanks for coming up. Thanks for your help. You can just drop that right down, and you can go back and have a seat. Thanks, guys. All right, we are continuing on in the book of Genesis. We are 
starting at chapter 4, verse 16, and all the way to the end of chapter 5, verse 32. So Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, and uh, all the way to 5:32. We've come now uh, in our preaching through this book to a chapter and a half of genealogies, names and lots of them. And uh, if you're like me, you just love reading the genealogies in the Bible, right? Right? No? Huh? It's common, right? People get to the genealogy names, like, what's this here for? Why would I read this? And so on. And so um, we should admit a couple things here. Number one, genealogies aren't as important as other parts of the Bible. It's just true. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that the gospel is of first importance. And so there are things of first and second and third and fourth and fifth importance. I don't know where genealogies are on that, but they're probably not first. But that doesn't mean that 2 Timothy 3.16 doesn't apply here. All scripture is breathed out by God. And not only is it breathed out by God, that is not only is every word of it God's word, but he says that it's profitable All scripture is profitable because it's breathed out by God to equip us for every good work. And that includes genealogies. And so God is God. He is wise. We've sung it. He's eternal. He's immortal. He's he's intelligent. And he doesn't waste. We sang it. Nor wasting. Nor wanting, nor wasting. He doesn't waste. And so this isn't wasteful. In fact, it'll be profitable for you. And so we want to hear it by faith. So I'm going to read this. It's a long section, so bear with it. I encourage you to have your Bibles out uh, and read through it with me. If I stumble over the pronunciation of names, you would too. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, that is, when Cain built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahuliah, and Mahuliah, I had that pronounced and I totally messed it up, fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives, the name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal, who was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wife, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son. And called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now listen, if you will, we're going to, we have Cain's line that we just heard. Now listen to what is different about Seth's line. Listen to what is remarkable about them. This is the book of generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. 
When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years. And he had fathered, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived another, or lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord had cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from painful toil for our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Let's pray. Holy Father, you say that your blessing is reserved for those whose way is blameless, who walk in your law, who keep your testimonies and seek you with all your heart. Oh, that we would be like this. Give us your spirit now that we may be steadfast in keeping us your word. Teach us, even now, by your Spirit, whom you have given to us, to fix our eyes on your commands and on your Savior who has fulfilled them all in our place. Teach us your righteous rules and do not forsake us. Amen. If you remember back to Genesis 1, God created by separating one thing from another. He separated light from dark, land from water, and so forth. He separated man from the rest of creation and then woman from man. And so God created by separating. Now in these verses, we see this continuing, uh, but a totally different kind of separation. God separates one line of man from another. He separates those whom he's going to bless to those who he's not going to bless. He separates the ungodly from the godly, the unrighteous from the righteous. From those who he said in Genesis 3.15 are the enmity or are the seed of the devil from those who are the seed of the woman. Now, that doesn't sound very friendly, but this is what God has promised. Again, if you look back at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God had said in cursing the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And now God is bringing about that promise in our verses. 
He is separating those who belong to Satan from those who will belong to him. Now, that is, or this distinction is in our world, the deepest, most profound distinction. One of the, thing going, one of the things going on in our world today is separating one from another. We do it along lines of race, right? White versus black. Uh, we do it along lines of sex, man versus woman. We do it along lines of sexual orientation, gay versus straight. We do it along lines of economics, rich versus poor. We have all of these things, political, right? Uh, liberal versus conservative, and so on and so forth. But all of those distinctions are nothing uh, in compared to this distinction. This is the main distinction of the world. Those who have faith in God and those who do not. And uh, we'll see that. Now, one of the things we should get straight here, is that uh, Seth's line isn't the line of promise because they're better than the line of uh, Cain. We know from Genesis 3 on that we don't mean one, we don't meet one man or woman or child in the Bible that isn't rotten. It's true. It's one of the neat things about the Bible. Even the heroes in the Bible are broken and crooked. Uh, they're not good. Our hearts, as Jeremiah says, are deceitful above all else. That applies to all of us. The psalmist sings and Paul repeats that not one does good, no one seeks for God. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that we are all born children of wrath. And so we can, I believe if we're honest, admit uh, that this is true of us all. Now we don't have any problem with how Cain's line gets populated. We know that our world has fallen. We see it all the time. But what we should have struggles with is how does Seth's line get populated? How does God bring people to himself? Again, back to Genesis 3.15. This verse is so central in the Bible because it play, everything in that verse plays out in the rest of the Bible and in our world. God there promises not just enmity between the offspring of Satan and the offspring of the woman or the line of... Uh, unfaithfulness, line of faithfulness. He says uh, that an offspring of the woman will bruise the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. So here's the line, or the, the first promise, the, the, the first mention of the gospel. Someone would come, a descendant of a woman, of the line of promise would come and crush the serpent's head. And so there's the gospel. Ultimately, we know this refers to Jesus Christ. We've sung about him just. He is the one who came, born of a woman, uh, born uh, in flesh like us, taking our sin upon himself and dying in our place to save sinners. And so from the moment after the fall, God begins to pull back the curtain on his eternal plan to populate his kingdom with his saved ones. That's what's going on here. And so from chapter 4, verse 25, until the end of the Bible, we are seeing God's grace. We are seeing God save sinners. It starts with Adam and Eve's son, Seth, and it plays out to all those who have faith in Christ. So none of the names in Seth's line are there because they're better. None of the names in Seth's line are there because they're uh, more deserving. It's all God's mercy. 
God is having mercy on Seth's line and not on Cain's line because of God's choice. And it should astound us that God has mercy on one, let alone millions. And so we're seeing here in the Bible the first instance of salvation by grace alone. It's not our choosing. It's not our doing. It's not our willing. It's not our working. It's all God's grace And so this is the most precious but most surprising reality in the Bible. We shouldn't really have a problem with hell. If somebody wrongs you tremendously, you understand the need for justice. What we should really have a problem with is heaven. How could God let any of us there? How could God promise us eternal reward in his presence with joy forever? It's grace, and it begins with Seth. It's grace, and it begins with Seth. Now, <clears throat> the reality is, every human being is belonging to one or the other. We see in humanity believers and unbelievers. We see, as Paul says, those are part of the kingdom of darkness or those are part of the kingdom of the beloved son. And the dividing line is faith. Do you have faith in God's provision of salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son or not? That's it. Seth and all those listed after him believed the promise in 315. Adam and Eve believed it. They didn't know the name yet. They didn't have all the detail we do yet. But their faith is the same as ours. Their faith is in the same one as ours. And if you do not have faith in this one, if you do not actually have living, life-changing faith in the provision of a Savior, Jesus Christ, then you are of the cursed line. You are apart from God and will perish. But you don't have to stay that way. That's what grace does. It transfers us, as Paul says in Colossians 1, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved Son. Now, Another way to think about what we're seeing here, starting with Seth's line in 425, is that we're seeing the beginnings of the church. Uh, We're seeing our descendants of faith. We're seeing those that we will dwell with forever in God's eternal kingdom. Our roots go deep, brothers and sisters. Uh, One of the theological terms is the church universal. Have you heard that term before? The universal church. This is the church for all time of all peoples who have faith in the promise of God's salvation through his son. That began with Adam. It ends with the return of Christ and we see it beginning here. And so I want to point this out because this is what we as believers have in common above all else. All of those other distinctions that I named at the beginning, whether they're racial or political or socioeconomic or whatever, All of those are transcended by faith in Christ. Now, some of those things are radically changed. There is no thing, such thing, let's say, for instance, as somebody who's gay and Christian. There can be somebody who's Christian yet struggling with temptation towards same sex, but it's not their identity anymore. When you come to faith in Christ, it changes you. It changes you. But this is the thing that we have in common with all of the saints now then and in the, be, in the future, 
above all else. We have Christ, and that's enough. That's why we're doing neighborhood small groups like we're doing. We don't want you to divide up along seasons of life, which you'll do if we just let you. You'll only want to get together in small groups with people just like you. And we are going to fight you in that. Because we want you to be with brothers and sisters who are very different than you in season of life. Some of you are uh, older saints with younger saints. Some of you are single saints with some of married and kids saints and so forth. Some of you are rich saints and some of you are poor saints. Some of you are tall saints and some of you less so. And so we're dividing you up geographically because the one thing that we have as Christians above all else is faith in Jesus Christ. And that's enough for us to enjoy each other, even in small groups. All right, so what I want to do from here is, I just want to look at what Moses, the inspired author of God, noted about each line. It's very interesting if you just read through this, thinking through the lens of, all right, what is remarkable about Cain's line? What in their lives are they known for? And the same thing with Cain's. What does God note about his line of promise? And what does God note about those who do not have faith in his promise? And then ask you to ask yourself what you're known for. What are you known for? We're going to have a few applications along the way, but we're going to start with Cain's line. The first thing we see in Cain's line in four, uh, chapter 4, verse 16. Have your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at this text, if you would. Please, please have them out. It says, Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing that Cain's line is known for is uh, not wanting anything to do with God. All right? That's it. Cain, as you know, murdered his brother Abel. God said, your punishment is to be sent out. And now Cain leaves off God. What does Cain do next? What's next notable about him? He uh, has a child named Enoch and he builds a city. Cain builds a city. By city here, don't think Milwaukee. Think Alamo. Think walled fortress. That's what, that's what this is. City in the fact that families gather together, but it, it's about protection, um, not, not about population. It's about walls. Now, you might remember just before this, Cain, after murdering his brother, being judged by God, Cain whined about his punishment. Remember that? It's too much for me. Everywhere I go, people will kill me. And what does God do for the murderer, the unrepentant murderer? He promises to protect him. It's really striking. And so here, Cain, the very next thing he does after God's promise to protect him is he goes and builds his own little walled city to protect himself because he has no faith in God's promise of protection. He has zero faith in God's promise of protection. He, he does not believe God's word. And so he must busy with himself providing for his own protection. This is true of us. If you will not trust in God's word, you will wear yourself out trying to provide for you that which God promises you. If your life is full of stress and anxiety, it is likely rooted in unbelief towards God's word. God's word. Because you will not trust in the God who has promised to provide for you, so you've got to do it for yourself. And, and that's what Cain is doing here. But even more so, it, it's noted here that Cain... Names the city 
after his son. Why are we given this little information? Why? Why? Why do men name things after themselves? Why, when rich people give big donations, do they want their names on it? If somebody gives a big donation to a library, it's blah, 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 Memorial Library. Why? Why do we want our names attached to things? It's pride, isn't it? It's self-exaltation. Cain is arrogantly wanting his name, his family's name to be attached to a city because he thinks his name is going to endure. In Psalm 49.11, we read that fallen man's innermost thought is that we are great and our name is great and that our house and our name will live forever. But in Psalm 49.12, God warns us that man in his pomp, man in his arrogance will not endure. Chapter 6 of Genesis is the destruction by God of Cain's descendants. Cain names a city after himself saying, I will endure forever. And the very next chapter in the Bible is the destruction of all of his descendants. Beware, brothers and sisters, of your pride. It is not in jest that God's word says the fall comes after the pride. We should hate our pride. We should hate uh, how self-focused we become. We should hate that we think we have an answer for every person's question. We should hate that we think we can live apart from God's blessing. Man in his pomp will not endure. So Cain's line is known for leaving the Lord and then building a city to the glory of his name. Next, we see that uh, the seventh in the line of Cain from Adam, Lamech, is the first to refuse God's good design for marriage between one man and one woman. He takes two wives. He's a bigamist. Interestingly, uh, we're given here really the only names, I think, other than one other sister of the names of two women. It's not because the Bible is sex. It's because there's something in the names of these women that reveals to you something about what Cain's line values. The women's names, Ada and Zillah, both mean something related to beauty. They're beautiful women. They're something to look at. Ada means ornament. Zillah means the fine sound of a tinkling bell. These are dolls. So Lamech takes two of them. Cain's line values externals, beauty. They're immodest. And so I would encourage us, especially young women, if you have an opportunity to take Jody's study that she's doing right now, it's excellent. But we know that external beauty matters, okay? It does matter. It's good to present yourself. 
But what matters more is our godliness, our modesty of heart. In Cain's line, these two women are named in order to help us remember this. So Lamech takes two wives. He's the first instance in the Bible of sexual immorality. And if you can mourn with me, look at our world now. Right? Has it changed? Look at us. Look at the havoc, the destruction that sexual morality wreaks in our lives. Look at how women have been abused and used. Look at how men have been degraded. And so, brothers and sisters, if you are involved in sexual morality, please leave it off. Repent of it. Distance yourself from it. Hate it. May it become vomit in your mouth because it is so disgusting. And Lamech, like Cain, is a murderer. But unlike Cain, who merely succumbed to his own hatred and envy, Lamech proudfully boasts of the slaughter of an innocent boy. He has this little song that he creates. Hear my voice, you wise of Lamech. Listen to what I say. So he's a poet. He's rhyming. He's singing of the slaughter of a boy. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. The term young man there is just simply boy. I, I don't think there's two people here. There's one person here. Somehow this young boy, this young man uh, struck uh, Lamech. And in just disproportionate wickedness, Lamech savagely murders him and then taunts. In fact, if you remember, God warned that anyone who harmed Cain would be harmed sevenfold. And Lamech takes that warning of God and uses it as a taunt against God. (laughs) He takes God's word of warning protection for Cain and now uses it as song taunting uh, for his murder. If... Cain is avenged sevenfold and Lamech is 70 or uh, 77fold. And if you remember Jesus is how, how often should we forgive? 70 times 7. I think Jesus is referring back to this. Don't be like Lamech. Don't let your anger uh, and your envy eat you alive. Forgive, 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 forgive. Don't be like this man. And so we should hate our anger. Aren't we so prone to it? Aren't we so prone to it? Somebody does something wrong to us and it's like the world is ending. We just get angry in an instant. Our anger is so quickly riled up. Young siblings do this all the time to each other. One little wrong, one not even a wrong, just one thing and just, mm, we're so quick to be angry. Uh, and even... Even more so, isn't our world just filled with violence? What's on TV all the time but killing? The killing of another human being in anger is, in the Bible, the greatest of all sins, life for life. And yet so many of us are content to give ourselves the games and movies and shows that are just sated with gratuitous violence and gore and slaughter. Isn't that opposite of the gospel? One man dies to give life. And so, brothers and sisters, let's take care here. We're Christians. We're different from the world in this. So Cain's line is filled with leaving off God, prideful founding of cities, seventh descendants who are 
sexually immoral, murderers. And what follows next might be just a bit confusing. Because you have all of this wickedness and then suddenly, um, or just before that, I'm sorry, I, I skipped a little bit. But just before that we have in uh, verse 20, Jabal, who's the first farmer, he's the first husbandman, he figures out taking care of animals and so forth. Then you have Jubal, who's the father of all music. And then Tubal Cain, who makes tools. He's a tool maker. He's a dresher. (laughs) He's good at these things. It seems a bit confusing in the middle of all of this wickedness for this great productivity and creativity to be there. Uh, Wonderful advancements, domesticating and caring for animals, music and musical instruments, metalworking and tools and other instruments and and uh, and so we, we ought to remember God made man in his image. Man, by God's grace, even fallen man apart from Christ is capable of great good. And so this is one of the great things about the Bible again. It shows the warts of the heroes and the good things of the villains. It's one of the th- reasons I think the Bible rings very true unlike other religious books. Um, and... And we're reminded here that we as Christians make use of what the fallen world makes all the time and redeem it. What did David kill Goliath with? Goliath's own sword. He took up an instrument made by a wicked man and used it for great good. So let's do that. Let's rejoice in what this world produces and use it against what the world intends with it for God's glory. So that's Cain's line. That's what Cain's line is known for. No God, prideful building of cities, polygamy, murder, and the production of useful, wonderful things. Let's turn now to Seth's line, which begins in 425. Uh, the first is of returning to Adam and Eve. And here again we see Adam and Eve's uh, surprising and commendable faith. After the murder of one of their sons by their other son, the next thing they do is have another son. They have faith in God's promise. Don't forget the promise in 3.15. Everything in the Bible flows from there. I will put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. And the next thing they do is have a son. Eve, if you remember, had thought Cain uh, was the son of promise. And she was wrong. God does this all the time. You rarely see the first son being the son of promise. It's always the second son. It's always, it's always the one that you don't think is. And this is to show God's sovereignty. And so living, through living faith in God, they persevered in the promise of God. They had faith in God's promise. They had another son, Seth. The name Seth means appointed one. 
That is, Adam and Eve had faith in God that though Cain obviously failed and departed from God, though Abel was murdered, now they see Seth as God's appointment of the one through whom God would fulfill his promise. And so Seth's line begins with parents who have faith in God. Should be an encouragement to you as parents. Adam and Eve are far from perfect. And yet they have faith in the living God. And they have generations of faithful kids. Isn't, isn't our faith in God mainly about his promise of salvation? So I want to encourage you in that. Just have faith in Christ as parents. That's enough. Just start there. That God is your God and he has given you his son. That's enough for your parenting. Have faith there. And what we read next is really wonderful in verse 26. At that time, right, they have Seth. Seth has a son, Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Seth's line is known for calling on God. Wouldn't that be good to be known for that? Wouldn't that be awesome at the end of your life that the one thing remarkable about you the one thing that people remark about you is that you, you are somebody just called on. Wow, you're a prayerful person. you person who went after God. Now, what we read next about Seth's line is to, I think our modern ear is pretty boring. They marry, they have kids, and they die. They marry, they have kids, and they die. They marry, they have kids, and they die. They marry... They have kids, and they die. Seth's line, what's notable about it is they live a long time, and they have a lot of kids. <laughs> they live a long time, and they have more kids uh, than their houses can hold. I just think, what a great... That's on my uh, gravestone. He lived quite a long time and he had a lot of kids. That's good. That's enough. Children are a blessing from the Lord. I hit that a lot, so I'm not going to go deep into it. But Seth's line is known for fruitfulness in families. Cain's line wasn't remarked once. Over and over and over in Seth's line, everybody's remarked. And they had many sons and daughters, and they had many sons and daughters, and they had many sons and daughters. May God's people known for this. All right, we also see here in Seth's line that each of their lives ended in death. And so again, we see the curse for sin. But in the curse of death, there's blessing, isn't there? Because there's a promise of a Savior. Would you like to live in this world, as it is, in your flesh, as it is, forever. That's curse, isn't it? Can you imagine God giving you the, the gift of eternal life as you are right now? No thanks. I battle the temptation I battle, the thoughts that go through this head, the things I see. No thanks. Death is an enemy. 
it is not to be rejoiced in. But in Christ, the enemy is defeated. We are raised to everlasting life with God. We get new bodies that no longer are tempted, minds that no longer think like they think now. And that's because Jesus Christ went into the grave. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that he will defeat forever is death. It will never be any eternity remarked of any of us that we died. And that's only because of Christ. So if you do not have faith in Christ, that is not true of you. So I'd urge you to turn by faith to Jesus Christ. So Seth's line is known for calling upon God, known for their faith in God, known for having long lives and lots of kids and dying. And then uh, we read, if you remember in Cain's line, the seventh from Adam, Lamech, is the one that we got a little bit more explanation of. He had two wives and murdered a man. Now the seventh in Seth's line from Adam, we also get a little bit more information about uh, Lamech, verse 28 and 29, I'm sorry, uh, Enoch, excuse me, in verses 21 and 22. And we get this note that he walked with God. What a contrast uh, from the seventh in Cain's line to the seventh in Seth's line. The seventh in Cain's line is known for his murder and his bigamy. The seventh in Seth's line is known for one thing. He walked with God. It's noted twice. Enoch was a man who walked with God. He walked with God. Um, I don't even, I mean, if you could be known for one thing, if the people who knew you best knew you for one thing, wouldn't it be, wouldn't, wouldn't you want it to be that? Wouldn't you want it to be that? That's what I want it to be. Now, the term walk there is uh, neat. You've heard it. We want our walk to match our talk. Um, Parents in Deuteronomy 6 are said, when they walk by the way, they shall teach God's laws diligently to their children. We walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Walk in the Bible is almost always associated with walking in obedience to God's commands. That's what it meant here. This wasn't a sentimental, he's walking in a garden thinking sweet things of Jesus. He's dutifully, faithfully walking righteously before God. He cares more about obedience to God than what people think. He's walking with God here means that he's walking in obedience to God's commands by faith. Not that he's perfect, but that he loves God and loves his word and wants to obey him. So may that, may that be said of us. May that be said of Pine Grove. That's what we want. The last notable reality of Seth's line is found in the whole point of this whole genealogy, Noah. This whole line is getting us ready for what comes next, Noah, the one who would uh, save a remnant 
through an ark from God's judgment. Noah's name actually means rest. And so you have Noah's father saying that from Noah, the Lord will bring us relief. He'll bring us rest. This is the whole point of the godly line that God is saving. Rest in his son. That's it. This is the whole point. You and I receiving, by God's grace, rest from our sin. Rest from our toil. Rest from this fallen, wicked world that is so debilitating. This is what you and I want more than we want anything else. Rest. We just want rest in God. And by faith, Noah's father, I don't know how, prophesied that this line is going there. And we're going to see it. It's in Christ alone. Rest. Hope of deliverance. Hope of fulfillment of all of God's promises in God's son. Rest. This is the whole purpose God gave us a Sabbath for. And we can always be reminded that in Christ we will have rest forever. In him alone. All right, so there's the two lines. There's the two lines. Let me just do this to parents, if I can, for a moment here. And this can apply to all of you. Parents intuitively raise their kids to be known for something. They're doing things in their life, in their children's lives because they have a future goal that they want their children to be set up to accomplish. What is it that you are setting your children up to be known for? Cain's line is known for some really wonderful things. Founding of a city. Be cool if your kid did that, huh? Vandergallionville. It's got a nice ring to it. They created wonderful things. Music. Here we are. Tools. That's all they're known for. The one thing not mentioned in Cain's line is anything about God. Nothing. Cain's line gained the whole world and are in hell. Lost their soul. How about your children? Are you raising them to do wonderful things? Good things that help the world. Gain the whole world, but are not raising them to walk with God. Seth's line did things like Cain's line. Seth's line founded cities, created things, made beautiful things. But the one thing they're known for is they call on the Lord and they walk with God. And they have lots of kids, but let's focus on those two. They did all of those other things. But what was most remarkable about them, what was most notable about them, is that they walked with God. Let's aim our kids at that. 
Yes, let's teach them to be successful in the world, to do business, to do all these things wonderfully. Let's do those. But let's, let's let them be known for knowing God. That's it. For standing firm in the truth of God's word. For being willing to suffer loss because they follow Christ. What will they be known for? What will be remarkable about them? And, and, and us. How about you as young women? What will, what will you be remarkable for? Your external appearance or your internal beauty and good works and godliness and submissive, 1 Timothy 2. How about you at work? What will you be known for there? What will be remarkable about you tomorrow morning at your workplace? What do people remark about you at your your workplace? Is it your godliness? How about at church? What are you known for here? (laughs) Now, the only way that any of this good things, any of these good things in Seth's line are known of them is because they had faith in God's promise of a Savior. It always starts with Christ. If you want to be known for walking with God, if you want to be known for your heartfelt obedience to God, it begins and is carried through and ends with faith in Christ. That's what these people had above all else. Adam and Eve had another son because they had faith in Christ. Enoch walked in obedience to God because he had faith in the promise of God's Savior. Noah had faith to build an ark because he had faith in the promise of salvation through God's judgment. It always begins and ends with the gospel. And so then and only then will we be known as men and women who walk with God. Let's start with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the promise of a Savior. May we begin and end it with him. Faith that we are saved. We will be kept by your love because of Christ. And because of that, then may we be known as those kind of people who call on you, who walk obediently before you in a world that despises it. And so, God, not because we're better, not because we're more haughty, but humbly walking before you because of faith in your Son. And so, God, please, please, please do that in us. Uh, We need this grace. Apart from you, we cannot do it. And so, God, please do it now. And so, God, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the charge is this. I want to see you thinking of these neighborhood small groups as that. That's how we fight. We fight with each other. We fight for each other in our neighborhoods so we might bring the gospel to our neighborhoods. That's what they're for. They're so that you can gather with believers every other week under the care of an elder, be built up in God's grace that you can go out strong and uh, bring the gospel with boldness to those who are perishing. That's what they're for. So when you're gathering, it's not just for food. It's not just for fun. It's to get faith to fight. And so... Join with that in mind. Now, may you who love the Lord Jesus Christ walk with him. May God root and build you up in him and firmly establish you in the faith 
And may God cause you by his grace to abound in thanksgiving. And amen. Uh, Terry's small group is at the park. And so Hodegs, you're at the park. Everybody else, you know your time and place. Grab some Culver's custard. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. I love you.